Okay, uh, uh, we are going to uh, have some discussion too. So, have enough room, uh, I think, to kind of get together quickly and then come back. So, that, uh, about twice, I will have a short discussion uh, during the lecture. And after the lecture, uh, you will have a long uh, discussion. Uh, thank you very much for the praise team. It's wonderful, inspiring. Let us really thank you. Our topic this weekend uh, is uh, change. Uh, change is very important in our lives. It's a very, very uh, core of uh, uh, the life that we are living in. Uh, depending on what kind of change you make, your life will be very, very different. Uh, if I didn't change to become a minister, my life would have been very, very different. If I didn't choose, uh, if, if I didn't change to come to Canada, my life would have been very different. So, depending on what kind of changes you make in your lives, your life will turn out very differently. Depending on which university to go to or depending on what uh, you try to major, or where to live, what to do with your lives. So all these changes, little changes, make tremendous uh, impact uh, on your life. And so it is a very important, important topic. That, but how mindlessly and carelessly we make changes. Sprog moment, we just change. And then you regret and you change back. And so a lot of times we make these changes without really thinking about it, even though it is very, very important uh, that uh, we think very carefully when we make changes. And a lot of people don't make cha uh, changes like that. Just by the emotion, by the feeling, by the circumstances, or by having to uh, make changes. So they make changes like that. But I don't think that is a healthy way of making changes in our lives. So uh, this weekend, uh, we are going to talk about uh, then how do we uh, change, uh, change and uh, what is involved in making changes. So uh, first uh, night, tonight, I'm going to uh, mainly uh, focus on uh, the attitude uh, of uh, towards change. And this, uh, tomorrow morning, the uh, second lecture, I'm going to talk about the dynamics of change or what is going on in the change itself. And the third, uh, uh, third uh, lecture, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, what need, do we need to do uh, in making changes. So uh, maybe attitude and change itself and action. And then the topic, uh, three topics are, first one is uh, change uh, comes, uh, what is it? Change happens in the, what, what is it? Eh? From, from the deep desire. From the deep desire. And the second one is change happens in the wilderness. And third one is the change uh, happens uh, in the, uh, from the mustard seed. So those three topics uh, that I'm going to uh, talk about. This is our fourth lecture uh, on happiness. First lecture, we talked about happiness uh, itself. How does uh, people uh, become happy? And then we 
talked about Paul a lot. And then St. Paul and the Philippians. I mean, he was in prison. He was waiting for death. And he was going through all difficult times. But he said, rejoice. And I will say it again, rejoice. Where did he get that joy? Where did he get that happiness? What is this ringing sound? <laughs> check, check. Yeah? No, the other one is better. Uh, it says clear, but just if you could get rid of that ringing sound. I don't like too much bass. <laughs> I like more treble, more. <laughs> check, check. Uh, too much bass. It was, it was better before. <laughs> but I just don't like the ring. Yeah, yeah, a little better. Yeah, okay. Just uh, get rid of that uh, ringing sound. Then, yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, where did you get that happiness? And then, so we we studied that uh, happiness does not come from circumstances we realize and then the, the, the study uh, showed that 50% of your happiness you're born with it uh, and then 10% your circumstances give you, uh, give you the happiness and 40% is your attitude so 50% so some people are born with like a 48 other people born with a 47 46, 45, whatever you're born with it. You can't change it. Some people are happier uh, than others. Just a little bit of difference. And 10%, some people, 9 degree of, tempers, uh, uh, nine degree of happiness or 8, 7%, whatever. So degree is small. But added, depending on the attitude, you have 40% to work with. So even if you have a lower scale in the, uh, your genetics, still you have 40% to work with. So anybody can be happy. And then how does a person become happy? It is to do with the whole series of your belief system produces your thought. Your thought produces your feeling. Your feeling produces your action. Your action produces, produces your habit and your habit produces lifestyle. So it all begins with your belief system. What belief system you have inside of you. That determines how happy you become, your lifestyle. And the belief system Paul had was this. Remo, can you give me that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we got a lot. <laughs> okay. This was Paul's belief system. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ doesn't matter what happens, but Jesus will bring it to completion. He had that belief system, and that belief system controlled his thought. His thought controlled his feeling. His feeling controlled his action. His action controlled his habit. His habit controlled his lifestyle. That's how he could say rejoice and rejoice again. So that was the first lecture that uh, we uh, discussed. And the second lecture, uh, we uh, said that Life, you are happy with your life, just, not just because you have a lot of things. You are happy with your life because life is meaningful. 
Meaningfulness is very important. And then where do we find the meaning? You know, in a way, we all create stories. Through your life, you are writing stories. Your life is like story. Abraham, you hear the story of Abraham. You hear the story of Joseph. You hear the story of Jacob. Their stories are all different, but their life created created those stories. So you, each person, is creating a story. What kind of story are you going to write in your life? In other words, you're all novelists. You're writing a novel, good novel, with your life. And what kind of novel are you going to write? Just flat novel or very exciting life are you going to make? So every story has a meaning. So life has a meaning. And then think about what kind of story you want to make with your life. And when you look at the Bible, it is all about stories, different people's life stories. And when we look at very carefully, there's one theme that is going on. That is from bondage to freedom. That is a story of the Bible. Every person, even though their lives were all different, one common thread, one common theme was from bondage to freedom. That is a kind of life story. So life has a meaning because it makes up stories uh, in your lives. And as a third uh, lecture we talked about, your happiness comes from not money, not success, not career, uh, not comfort. Your happiness comes from your relationship with other people. And in relationship, there are two kinds of relationship. I thou relationship and I eat relationship. I eat relationship is when you go uh, to uh, the restaurant and order food, the person who's serving you and yourself, that is I eat relationship. I pay for the money and they give me the food. So that is I eat relationship. I eat relationship. 90% of our relationship is I eat relationship. Professional relationship is I eat relationship. But only 10% is I thou relationship. I thou relationship is more than what I give you this money, you do uh, something for me. Not, not that kind of uh, relationship. I thou relationship is like a Jesus sacrificing himself for us. That's a love relationship. Because you love somebody, you sacrifice yourself for the other person. And it's deep interconnectedness. You deep sharing. That is I thou relationship. And it, this I thou relationship, it is only 10% of your life, but it governs your happiness. The more I thou relationship you have, the happier uh, you'll become. The more I eat relationship uh, you have, the less happier you will, uh, happy you will become. So uh, relationship determines what kind of uh, uh, happiness, uh, what kind of life you're going to live with your children. What is, what is your relationship? I eat relationship or I thou relationship with your spouse or with your friends? Or among Christian brothers and sisters, do we 
create I eat relationship or I thou relationship that we have to uh, think about. And so we are trying to build I thou relationship in every relationship that we have. So even uh, in I eat relationship, we try to build some kind of I thou relationship. So even the customer, you ask, how are you? You look kind of uh, down today. You know, that kind of gesture, that is creating I thou relationship in our life. So those three things that uh, I have uh, uh, discussed. And at this retreat, I want to examine different aspects of uh, change. To be truly happy, there has to be meaningful change. I believe that Jesus Christ came to us and make us happy by bringing meaningful changes in people's lives. That's what Jesus did. Every person he met, he brought changes. That's what Jesus did. Every person who met Jesus Christ, there was nobody who was not changed. They somehow was affected by Jesus and they somehow got changed and they became, became happy. Not necessarily they became more successful. Not necessarily they became uh, uh, more comfortable or they made more money. For example, St. Paul, before Jesus, he was much, much more comfortable. He had more money then. But after meeting Jesus Christ, he was kicked out from uh, his home. And then, uh, he got persecuted. So their life circumstances not going to, uh, did, not go, uh, did not become better necessarily, but they became happier. So whoever met Jesus Christ, they somehow experienced some kind of change, profound change in them. And Jesus Christ came to make us happy by bringing changes in us. So that's what uh, we are going to uh, discuss together. So we are going to have a uh, discussion a little bit this time. So uh, I have a few people. Uh, uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, I'll give you uh, uh, Zacchaeus. So that's a passage. And then uh, next one. Nicodemus, who wants to take Nicodemus? Who wants to take a Samaritan woman? Who wants to take St. Paul? And then uh, another group, St. Paul. And uh, who wants to take Peter? Is simple. Read the story among your group. If you could turn around. You don't have either? Just uh, don't go yet. What happened? Uh, What do we have? Why don't we have? Two groups are missing. How many groups do we have? No, no, this is not it. Yeah. 
Okay. Who doesn't have it? Uh, can you share? Uh, can you... Uh, 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 okay. Uh, you're not going to take too much of time. Okay, listen uh, uh, first. You read your person. You read your person and then just find out one thing. What one thing was changed in their lives by meeting Jesus Christ? Okay. Let us come back uh, together. Just uh, turn around from where you are. I know that you didn't have a deep discussion, but you're not supposed to have a deep discussion yet. Later, uh, you can have a deep discussion. So, let us look at together. First of all, uh, Nicodemus is a little difficult uh, person to talk about change at this point. So, let us talk about Samaritan woman first. Who has a Samaritan woman? So, Samaritan woman, what, what kind of change? What changes uh, did she experience? Well, sounds good still. Yeah, Yeah, whose daughter are you? (laughs) Yeah. She believed in Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She didn't want to meet anybody. That's why she came out at noon to draw water. So there was no, uh, make sure that nobody was there. In other words, she did not want to associate with anybody. And then she met Jesus. And then after that, she threw away the water jar and went back to the town and started talking to people, communicate uh, with people. So she, that changed her life completely. Okay? How about Zacchaeus? Who is Zacchaeus? Yeah, Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, I guess one of the most basic changes we saw is as a, as a tax collector, like he was used to collecting money. Yeah. But in the end, it's more of like giving away the things. Yeah. Like, I'll get that much of the poor and then the other four times the amount to people I owe. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's that basic change of the process of putting jobs in the That's right, yeah. And you know, the tax collector at that time uh, was not just a tax collector. They were a kind of thief and then uh, crook, uh, crooked people because uh, they are the ones who exploited. If they get more uh, tax collected, then they get to have more. So the, 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 they were despised by other people, but Jesus called him, singled him out 
And so he was so impressed, he gave up. Before, money was everything to him. Money was his God. But now after, uh, he could give up even his own God uh, to, um, after meeting Jesus Christ. So that kind of change happened in Zacchaeus. How about Simon Peter? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's very good. And all of the group has a Simon Peter? Yeah. yeah. I mean, before Simon Peter, he thought that he could do it with his own will, with his own strength. But he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus Christ came, do you love me? In other words, you can only follow me when you truly love me. He realized about the power of that love. So that changed him completely. He was forgiven. He was given a new chance to live his life. St. Paul? Yeah. 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 Good, good, yeah. And anybody another group? Yeah. He was really zealous of the Pharisee. He said, as far as law is concerned, I'm blameless. He was full of self-righteousness. I'm the best. But after meeting Christ, he realized that he was nobody. So that kind of understanding completely changed St. Paul around. And finally, Nicodemus. It's a heart because... That particular passage doesn't show his change yet. Yeah. So he comes out three times in the scripture, in the uh, Gospel of John. But uh, Nicodemus, probably the uh, most respected person. Uh, he was rich. He was uh, religious. He was leader. He was political. He was powerful. He had everything. But somehow met Jesus Christ and Jesus said, you have to be born again. You have to change from the bottom. And then he realized 
that what he achieved was not everything. And then in the course of uh, his life, he really changed. And then he buried, actually, Jesus Christ. But probably it was a little difficult for you, your group to talk about his change. Do you have anything to add there? Yeah. That's very good from the, uh, that part, uh, uh, part of the scripture. Yeah, Thank you very much. So all these people uh, were changed by Jesus Christ. They met Jesus Christ and they changed. When you meet Jesus Christ, change is bound to happen. Change is gonna, going to happen. When you meet truly Jesus Christ, uh, change is going to happen. Then what are some of the questions about change. Like, what is change? Why are, pe- are people reluctant to change? How do people decide to change? What are the dynamics of change? So these are the questions that we are going to explore together. It's hard to talk about change because change is very complex. And There's no one formula or a theory by which people change. People change for whatever kind of reason. They walk around, all of a sudden they change. I don't want to live like this. And they change. And they are in a a relationship for a long time, all of a sudden they change. So we don't know exactly what is going on in the dynamics of change is a complex. It is hard to really pinpoint what changes. And the people, those people who changed, they cannot explain how they changed, how they became Christian, or how they become, uh, uh, you know, uh, followers of Jesus Christ. How they have changed from one life to another life. They themselves uh, don't know how to explain uh, what happened to them. But even though change is complex and difficult to explain, we know that change always happens. This past winter was very, very difficult. Even we had to have worship service without electricity. All the pictures are my pictures. This is our church, winter. But it was so hard. But soon, 
we see this bird. And then I hear uh, birds chirping. And I, how glad I was. How happy I was. Finally, the winter is over. Now is summer. It's a Mediterranean Sea, that one. So, always things change. Children grow up fast. I still remember her daughter. <laughs> playing with the waves when we were at the Muru Beach. She, in her bikini, she was this small. She goes out to the uh, ocean. When the wave comes, <laughs> she runs away. And the wave goes out. She goes out. And now this year, she says she's getting married. <laughs> Things change. Kids leave home. Old people pass away. There's nothing that stays the same. It is only our illusion to say that everything stays the same. When you see a bug, you, it doesn't look like it changes anything. But next day you walk around, you go there, and then it's changed into the flower. If you put the camera right there all night, then you will see the whole process of change. We don't see it with our physical eyes, but change is always happening. That's why Heraclitus, uh, he's an efficient uh, philosopher, he said, no one ever steps in the same river twice. The second, second time you put your foot in the water, it's not the same water anymore. Different water came in. So no one puts, ever steps in the same river twice. Nothing stays the same except one. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything changes in the world. That is number one truth of life. But we are not very good at accepting this number one truth of life. That's second. We are not very good at accepting changes. Elizabeth Lesser, in her book, Broken Open, she said, how strange that the nature of life is change, yet the nature of human beings is to resist change. There's an old saying, you cannot teach old dog new tricks. Human beings are habitual animals. Once we are thrown into an environment, we get used to our circumstances. And once we are used to our circumstances, then we are good at repeating the same thing and we do mindlessly. We don't like to change unless we have to. For example, on Sunday in the worship, when you uh, look at it, I know where Steve uh, sits. Always on the left side. I know where Thomas and Michaela, I cannot find it now because it's changed. <laughs> Thomas and Michaela is right there all the time. 
and Simon and Deb little bit uh, behind. They always come to the same spot. They just sit there mindlessly. <laughs> we are habitual beings. <laughs> we are good at adjusting to our circumstances, but we are not good at changing our circumstances. We are just good at adjusting to our circumstances, but we are not good at changing our circumstances. We are good at adapting a new pattern of life, but we are not very good at changing the pattern of our lives. In other words, we are good at being a passive recipient of change, but not very good at being an active agent of change. Do you want to be a passive recipient of change? or active agent of change. We wait and, and wait until we have no choice but to have to make a change, then we change. We don't actively search for the way to make changes. You know, it is one thing to receive changes. It is another thing to make changes. What is your life like? Do you continuously receive changes? Or do you continuously make changes? What kind of lifestyle do you live? Do you just let things change you? Or do you yourself make changes in your lives? If you just receive your changes, then you have no ownership of the change. And if you have no ownership then you have no responsibility for the change that you are making. So you always blame other people. You always blame the circumstances. Oh, I didn't want to change, but these things make, uh, changed me. You know, parents cannot make all the choices for their children. The children need to have freedom to make their own choices and even freedom to make mistakes. We cannot let our circumstances dictate the change in our lives. If we do that, we will live our lives always blaming our circumstances. We won't feel the empowerment. American author and an aviator, uh, Anne Morrow Lindbergh, said, there is no sin punished more implacably by nature than the sin of resistance to change. For every change that happens in me, I want to be solely in charge of that. I don't want change just to happen and impose on me. I want to be in charge of changes. I don't want to receive changes. I want to make changes. For every change, I want to take charge. I'm not saying that you have to make a lot of changes. Some people make a lot of changes. You know, they change jobs and they change this and that. They change mindlessly. They just feel bored and make changes. They are just escapism 
another kind of escapism by making changes, a lot of changes on the surface, but they don't really make real changes that they need to make changes. That's why they are ch- making all the superficial changes. But th- those are not real changes. They are changing only sceneries, not the inner core of what really needs to be changed. In Korean, there is a good uh, saying, a uh, difference between 바꾸는 것, 변화하는 것. 바꾸는 것과 변화하는 것. Do, these are two different things. 바꾸는 것 is just, do you understand? What, do, you, do you understand? It's Korean. 바꾸는 것, 변화하는 것. 바꾸는 것 is just, on the surface, you just change circumstances, sceneries. But 변화하는 것 is a more deep inside, inner change. What is needed is inner change, not just change the sceneries and circumstances. In this fast-changing society, I want to be awake. Otherwise, I'll be swept away by the changes that are happening in me. I want to be awake. What changes are happening in me? I want to be awake. I want to know. I don't want to blindly be Influenced by the changes that are happening without my ownership, without my uh, understanding. Because this world is changing so fast, otherwise I'll be just swept away, uh, swept away by the changes that are imposed on me. I don't want my circumstances to shape who I am exclusively. I don't want other people peers, or even our parents to mold who I am absolutely. I want to be the main actor of the change that happens in me. And I know that realistically I have no choice but to be shaped by, against my will, but I don't want to be shaped helplessly and mindlessly. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have no choice but to be shaped. But I don't want that to happen mindlessly and helplessly. At least I want to be aware of changes that happen in me. I don't want to live the life in the same way simply because I've lived like that for the last so many years. Or last 10 years I lived like this I don't want to continue just because I have lived like that for the last several years. If I don't like a part of who I am and don't like what I am doing, I will change. I will not powerlessly just accept my life. That is defeated mentality. God accepts me as I am. But God never leaves me there. God accepts me as I am, but God never leaves me there. God desires to change us. God always wants to take us to the next level. That's what our God does. St. Paul experienced this kind of change within him. He said, in Christ, 
We are our new creation. Behold, the old has gone and the new has come. He boldly proclaimed this change that is happening within him. And this is what St. Paul, uh, Paul's attitude about his life. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained this or have reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Like, he doesn't think that he's already finished. I'm not uh, already uh, there yet, but I press on. And then he said, next one, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward goal. That's a spiritual person's attitude. Instead of just accepting what you have right now, you press on to the goal. You have so much potential. Why do you just Sitting on it. You cannot just sit on it. You have to move on. What St. Paul talked about was the inner change. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. We all get old. We all get weak. But our inner nature needs to be renewed every day. So every day becomes a new life rather than uh, another same day. Instead of living like that, another new day, new life, I want to live. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter. When you, when you are renewed inwardly, then you become fresh every day. That is kind of life St. Paul lived. If your life is full of worries and anxieties, if you are filled with anger, rage, and even hatred, if you are not sure about your future, if you don't, you're not sure about what you want to do in your life, if you're under your guilt and fear, if you're so conceited that you don't even feel about other people, then we all need change. You don't, need to change, you don't need to change your jobs or your circumstances. We need to change here, our heart. You know, we change because I want to be truer to myself. That's why I want to change. Not to become a great, but I want to be truer to myself. That's why we change. The Bible believes in the change. Jesus believed in the change. Stories of the Bible are the stories of change. We looked at all these people. When Bible believes in the change, when God believes in the change, when Jesus believes in the change, why don't we believe in the change? Do you believe that you can change? We have to believe that we can change. The change is not a theory. Change is spiritual reality. God is God of making changes. It is God's attribute, God's nature. 
27 years of ministry, I have seen so many beautiful changes in people. You know how when people change, it is so beautiful. They made other people so happy. The greatest enemy of the change, you know who the greatest enemy of change is? Who do you think? Who is the greatest enemy of the change? Satan? <laughs> who is the greatest enemy of our change? Ourselves. Ourselves. We are the greatest enemy of change. Our lack of belief that change can happen. Our pessimistic belief has to be challenged. That belief has to be challenged. It is like a poison. It kills the dynamics of changing you. That's why we don't change. Because, we, because of our pessimistic belief, because it kills the dynamics of change, we don't change. We get stuck in where we are. So then, to make changes, the most important thing is your desire to change. When you have desire to change, then change happens. That's a miracle. When you have desire to change, then change happens. George Bernard Shaw said, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. There is a will. There is a way. We need to cultivate within us the strong desire to change. As a desire sits within us, you will experience the miraculous movement of change within us. The more, you, the more desire grows within you, the more active movement of change you will experience. You actually have to experience that movement within you. When you have the desire, that active Movement of change is happening within your belly, within your heart, within you. You feel that. Something is changing. Something is moving. When you have a baby, you see the life moving within you. In the same way, when you have the seed of change within you, you don't feel flat. You feel something is moving within you. That desire creates that movement. Cultivating the desire and bearing the fruit of change or having the desire and actual change happening. This is what Henry and I would say. When When the human heart is open and responsive to the movements of the spirit, healthy spiritual formation inevitably uh, occurs. That's Henry Nouwen. And the next one, if you go, having the desire and actual change happening, those are two different realities. Why? Just because you have, have, you have the desire, why is change happening? Those are two different realities. What, what, what are correlation between those two? 
What connects those two? Having the desire and actual uh, change happening. That's a mystery. And what connects them? It is not what? It is God. It is God that makes it happen. It is not you who make actual changes. When you have the desire, God uses that desire to bring about changes within you. 1 Corinthians 3.6, this is what St. Paul said. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. It is not I who brought growth. It is God who brought growth. I had only desire, but somehow God used that desire to change me. You know uh, very uh, famous uh, words of Jesus, uh, Matthew, ask and uh, it will be given to you. I kind of divide into the two. The left side is desire and right side is actual change. Ask is your desire, but it will be given you. It's given. The actual change happened. Search and you shall find. Not the door being opened. So when you have desire, the actual change happening. And that is what God does. So the important thing is we build the desire within us. How can we build the desire to change? Only if you build that desire to change, change is going to happen. But since we don't have that desire, we think that change cannot happen. I will never change. I'll be like this for the rest of my life. Then change will not happen. But when you believe that you can change, when you have that desire to change, that that somehow miraculously bring about the movement within you and bring about real changes within you. I wasn't going to let you discuss uh, because it's so hot and all that, so I'm not going to do that. I will just, uh, you know, Bethesda? Uh, the person uh, who was sick for 38 years and he was uh, 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 at the pool. And in the pool, the, the story was, if the, when the pool was stirred up, the first person who goes in there will be healed. So all the sick people were gathering around. When the water is stirred up, just imagine what would happen when water stirs up. Then everybody's going to uh, go into the pool to be the first person. You kick and kick. Well, do whatever you want. I, will, I have to be the first person to go in. So it's, I mean, the, the Bethesda is called uh, pool of mercy. What kind of mercy is that? You know, what kind of mercy is that? So just, whenever the water is uh, stirred up, they just try to be the best person. That's like us. Whoever is at the top. Whoever is the fastest, whoever is the highest, they will be healed. That's a myth. When, when Jesus Christ came to this uh, person who was sick, who had been sick for 38 years, Jesus' question was this, do you want to be healed? What kind of question is that? He was sick for 38 years and do you want to be healed? Strange question. But the answer is more strange. What was the answer? He didn't say that. I want to be healed. What did he say? No one put 
push me into the pool so I cannot be the first person. No wonder Jesus. I mean, he thinks that only change is possible if I'm the first person who goes into the pool. And Jesus asks, do you want to be healed? Sometimes we have wrong desire. You know? But do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to be well? Oh, then in, in, in the back of my mind, only if I make this kind of money, only if I have this job, then I'll be healed. Then we cannot be healed with that mentality. If I truly have desire to be healed and come to Jesus humbly, then only Jesus can be healed. Jesus did not put him into the uh, uh, pool. Uh, he healed this man. Ask yourself, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? Our prayer is our desire. Our prayer is our desire. When we pray, we express our desire. Every morning when we pray, we express our desire. And God uses that desire to change us. In our world, there are so many things that kill our desire to change. Cynicism, skepticism, lack of experience of the wonder, stubbornness, helplessness, or too cool. So people don't cultivate this desire. No wonder we don't experience the change. To me, Change is mystery. It's not a mechanical process. To me, change is mystery. How I change, I don't know. It's mystery. I need to change much, much more. But I'm so excited. How God is going to change me next 10 years. He has changed me so much last 10 years. How he's going to change me Next 10 years, probably you won't be able to see anything but in me. <laughs> next, year, next 10 years, God is going to change me tremendously. God is going to change each and every one of you tremendously. Change is beyond our understanding and beyond our control. Change is not just our effort. Change is more than effort. Change is entering into the different level of reality. Changing is, let me say it again, change is entering into different reality. The first reality is basic pleasure and entertainment. That's reality you live in. You only think about how to have a, a good time and all that stuff. And then after that, you want to serve others, you want to help others, the second level of reality. And then third level of reality is you're being in union with God. Change is entering into different levels of reality, day by day, year by year. Change is possible because God is leading us. 
using our desire to change. Grow desire within you. Don't stay where you are. Grow desire to become what you want to be. You will encounter the amazing miracle of change. People who have no desire to change, I think they're the victims of fear and failure. They they have been defeated so much that they don't even have a desire to change. Don't live your lives as victims. Anybody can change if they have desire to change. You have the powerhouse within you, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your power to change you. As a deer pants for the water, my soul thirsts for you. Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. I'll give them the living water. When you're thirsty for change, you come to Jesus and Jesus will give you the living water. Think about these questions. What do I want to change? How can I change? What do I want to change? How can I change? Just asking simple questions is good enough. What do I want to change? How can I change? You know, your brain cannot refuse your questions. When you ask questions, your brain is hard working to find the answer. So if you ask this uh, uh, question, why am I so stupid? Then brain continuously goes on and look for the answer. Yeah, this is why you're so stupid. Your brain cannot refuse our questions. So if you continuously ask that question, brain will come up with answers for those questions. But if you ask, what can I change? How can I change? Then will brain will bring some answers for you. Grow strong desire in you to change. You will find away. You'll be amazed by how God shows you the way. The artist Henry Matisse got cancer in 1941. From then on, he had to depend on the wheelchair. He could not draw anymore. He said, my life after cancer was my second life. But he didn't give up. He started using scissors and paper cutouts and expressed himself artistically in this way. And this is what he said. Only what I created after the illness constitutes my real self. Free, liberated. When the change happens, life looks different. Life looks different. If you have the desire to change and then change starts happening in you, your eyes will open, 
and their life looks different. People look different. God will help you. The proverb said, "The plans of the mind belongs to mortals, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord." The human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. You don't make changes alone. You are not alone. God will help you. God will help you. Think about yourself. Are you so defeated that you don't even have a desire to change? Build, grow. That desire within you day by day, and be awed by the mystery God brings in your lives. What you experience, what you lived, is not everything. There is much more ahead of you, much more waiting for you. When you have the desire. Growing in you, then you will experience. Ha! Huh? I have never seen this before. I didn't know that there's such a beautiful thing in life. And then your eyes will be open, and then life becomes alive. You experience fulfillment of life, and that is a kind of change God wants to. Bring about. So, during this retreat, think about what desire do you have? What kind of change do you want to make in your lives? Don't just be a recipient, passive recipient, to receive change imposed on you. I'm not going to do that anymore. I used to do that. I'm not gonna make changes just being imposed on me. I wanna intentionally make changes with the help of God. I'm not gonna swayed by the circumstances, by the forces of nature, by the forces of life. I'm going to be directed by the forces of the Spirit. That's what I'm going to do. For the rest of my life, and you do too. How the Spirit is guiding you, leading you. What kind of uh, change does Spirit want to make in your lives? That is the power of empowerment. So that's the first lecture. I hope that in your discussion, you talk about mo- much more. Uh, things about change. So let us pray together. Life is so beautiful, Lord, and you created us so beautifully. But we live less than what you created for. We are settled. 
with lesser things, lesser self. Lord, help us to grow desire to change and experience the mystery and the miracle of your, your working within us. We thank you for the people who gather here together this evening. Throughout this retreat, may the word change become meaningful and real in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray.